Welcome to The Word on the Hill with the Lange Guys. I am Father Peter Muffet. And I'm Scott Powell. And we are here to talk about the scriptures to you. All six of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe there's more by now. This is our third week on the air. air. Uh, on the interwebs. On, on the, the, the interconnections. Absolutely. Interwebs. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so, so far, I've gotten a, um, only one request for a free trip to the Holy Land that I offered. Did you really get one? I really did get one by text message from somebody at Marquette. Somebody at Marquette is listening to us? Yeah, it's get pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know anybody at Marquette. Yep. So harder. What's up? This is your shout out. Is this somebody you know? Yes. That just happens to be his name. No, it's a her. Oh, it's her. Yeah. Way to go harder. It's it's Angie. Angie. We love you, Angie. We're not going to the Holy Land though. Yeah, probably. and, they, and on keep, our time. <laughs> not on our time. So it was a lie. I'm sorry. We start off our podcast with a lie. Sorry. It's uh it's amazing because um we are like deep three weeks into Advent and we've had one snow that lasted for about fifteen minutes. It's pathetic. And and so this, uh, today I, I saw Monsignor and he said, I told my congregation that we are not allowed to sing We're Dreaming of a White Christmas. Cause Why? Because he's loving it. He's loving none of the oh, snow. Oh, that's pathetic. We're, we live in Colorado. I, I, I want the snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. You have a commute that is one house away. <laughs> you don't need to... I you need to worry about a commute. I, I, you know, I hear that there's like this, there's a certain threshold that makes a commute worth it. And it's somewhere right around 20 minutes. And um, so I, I think that uh, I make up for all those people who are commuting and listening to us. That's true. As they're on their Friday, Saturday commute. Stuck in the snow, we hope, because I hope snow is coming. So we're dreaming of a white Christmas. Yeah, here. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. So today... Gaudete Sunday. It's the pink Sunday. It's when you wear pink. It's where I feel like a gigantic bottle of Pepto Bismol. <laughs> but you guys don't like calling it pink, do you? It's rose. Rose colored. <laughs> it's rose. It's Pepto Bismol colored. Pepto Bismol Gaudete rose. Yeah. We. The thing is, is that we don't. I think that there is probably somewhere in the world a good vestment for Gaudete Sunday. But you don't have it. But it's not as intense as No, it isn't. <laughs> got this one. It's got a square bottom on it, man. And I square bottled, square bottomed vestments. No good. That's what they say. So this means. So what's Gaudete Sunday in a nutshell? Gaudete Sunday is that we are close, and so it is time to rejoice. Is that what the word means? Does it, it mean does. rejoice? It does. In Latin. Latin. Yesterday was. Um, uh, Our Lady Guadalupe, and I went and visited yes. um, the uh, Our Lady Guadalupe parish. Did you? I did. I went and, and I, yeah. I caught a part of the mass and everybody gave me the sign of peace. And I felt like a, a, a ninja priest because I wasn't in clerics. And so I was like, they just offered peace to a priest. And I always trip out about that because <laughs> if I like did that and I didn't know somebody was a priest, I would feel like super cool. It's, yeah. it's kind of like a visitation from the secret Jesus. It's like, that. not there, there a TV show, like Secret Boss or... Oh yeah, boss on the, yeah. Boss on the loose, <laughs> undercover boss. <laughs> undercover. I've boss. never actually seen it, but I've it's, heard it. it's worth undercover priest. My dad has a tendency to find the most emotional TV shows that he could possibly can. <laughs> Literally, I come over and he's like, "Let me show you this clip." <laughs> and so he shows me. So he showed me one undercover boss, and we were all so the whole family cries, and we're like, Bleh. "He." My dad's like seen it four times, and he's still crying. <laughs> 
because this stuff that's a good dad it is I it love is it. so i it's that's kind of that's the undercover boss our lady of guadalupe though so when i was in college um i had some buddies who on the last day of the last final um they decided to get in their car so i was in steubenville ohio way out east and i had these guys they got in their car they got in a pickup truck and they decided we're going to drive to mexico city and make it to the shrine of our lady of guadalupe on the 12th to be there as a pilgrimage and they took off and they did it whoa and it was one of the coolest stories actually my friend steve skojak he writes for catholicvote.org or whatever and he put it he put the whole story up really cool cool That's pilgrimage awesome i was jealous of it yeah I'm, I'm actually jealous of it right now i know it's a pretty sweet thing to a do. priest a priest told me once he said you know you can run away but make sure all your masses are covered <laughs> <laughs> so i'm running away to go see our lady guadalupe amen so Father John has all the masses for the rest of the Deacon month. Marty can do some communion services. Yay, Deacon Marty. So we got some stuff today. We got yeah, some we got like, stuff. We got Zephaniah. We got Luke. Everybody's favorite book, Zephaniah. What's up? This is my shout out to Zeph, dude. I mean, what did they call him when he was little? Zephy. Zephy. What's up, Zephy? <laughs> Zephaniah is cool. So I did my research on Zephaniah. Talk I, to I, me I about it. I dig pretty deep. So Zephaniah, Zephaniah is cool. So remember we talked, it's kind of a bummer. The first one of these we did was on the first Sunday of Advent. Yeah. And we said all the readings from this year in Advent come from Jeremiah. And so far, none of the other readings have actually come from Jeremiah, <laughs> right? But they all kind of have. So last week, our first reading was from Baruch, who was Jeremiah's right-hand man. It was a scribe. Zephaniah is actually a contemporary of, of Jeremiah. He was probably in the oh. same boat. So Jeremiah, he was given all these um, prophecies and all these warnings to the people, but he was kind of the one who spoke to the everyday folks. So he was around the temple. He was giving the warnings to everybody. Zephaniah is a little bit different. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah, but he was actually royalty, so oh. he's, you know, usually the prophets are these freak shows from out in the wilderness and they're dressed in, you know, they're eating bugs and they're doing what John the Baptist did. <laughs> but some of them are, are not. So Zephaniah is actually royalty. So he, his whole book is kind of everything Jeremiah is saying, but from the perspective of the royal household and where their role is in uh, and stuff. Whoa. So that's kind of his perspective, but he's also kind of another downer book. But it's neat <laughs> as we've been going through Advent, we're reading all these downer books for the first readings, but we're getting the good parts and we're getting the really happy part. So Zephaniah does the same thing. It's a book, his, his climax is all about this coming day of the Lord and the day of the Lord. This is a phrase that the Old Testament uses a lot to describe this day of God's judgment, when God's going to finally pour out his judgment on, on all the nations and because of Judah and all this stuff. So he's giving this perspective on all the bad things that are going to happen, but he's got the but at the end of the word, at the end of the book. In chapter three, he talks about what's going to happen after that, because every time you see in the Old Testament judgment or punishment, it's always for the sake of restoration. Because God wants to build back up as a good parent does. So he talks about this day of the Lord. And right before we get, right before you get to the reading that we're actually going to do in mass, he describes this, this big coming day of the Lord. And in the first couple of verses of chapter three, he says, this day of the Lord is this day of judgment. After that is coming restoration. And he says, there's coming a, pur a purging fire. So there's a fire coming on the earth for the sake of purgation. He says, all the nations are going to be gathered when this fire comes down on the earth. And then he kind of goes on to describe, he talks about unclean lips and we're going to be cleansed and all this great stuff's going to happen. And then he goes on to what we get in our reading. So that's right before what we read this Sunday, which says, shout for joy, O daughter Zion, sing joyfully, da 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 But right before that, he says, there's going to come this purging fire and all the nations will be gathered together. That's awesome. One of the old, uh, uh, an old prayer that I use for the blessing of holy water, it, uh, it talks about the judgment of the world by fire. Yeah. 
and and I I, don't, I think that that has fallen out of vogue in our blessings. Indeed. Just just in general, I don't I don't think people uh, I don't think that psychs people up. No, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't get them pumped. But I, I have a question for you on this. Okay. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, so there, there's coming this fire. There's going to be some sort of punishment. There's going to be fire, and there's going to be all the nations gathered together. So can you think of a time in the Bible in the New Testament where there's been punishment, where there's fire, and all the nations are gathered together? Well, the, my first thought is is all the nations coming together and fire is Pentecost. Pentecost. When when Peter stands up and he gets crazy on the temple steps. Right. There's tongues of fire that yeah. show up and all the nations are gathered together. I actually think, and, and I've learned this from other teachers, that what Zephaniah is actually talking about is Pentecost. Oh. When there will be fire. There's already been a punishment. Who's been punished? Well, Jesus actually took oh. it all. So he's punishment. He's punished. He goes underneath this suffering. And after that, what? There's fire. There's nations gathered together and there's shouting for joy. I think oh. that's all of what Zephaniah is talking about. And that's why it's so exciting. Oh, I'm looking at this reading right now and I'm, uh, uh, you are talking something crazy. <laughs> Whoa, you don't have any further misfortune to fear. It'll be said, fear not, do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty savior. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals festivals at the festival absolutely man cuz cuz pentecost you know we could um um we could use a, a renewal a, a refresher the pentecost was the feast where everybody came 50 days after passover passover so that they could bring first fruits and yeah the first fruits it was the it was kind of our version of thanksgiving or their version of of what we'd call thanksgiving the giving thanks for the bounty and the crops and all that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. But it, this one, you know, it's, but it's been pretty dramatic. It's been a pretty dramatic 50 days yeah, of, seriously. of judgment. Totally. Uh, and big time. Of, of judgment by fire, actually, particularly for the early church. Because the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room and yeah. then drew them out. And their judgment w- w- found them true. Yeah. And they were judged by by the gift of the spirit, and they were brought out, and then all, yeah. of, and then now we're talking about a fuller descent. Totally, you know, it's sweet. I mean, Pentecost. I, people don't see the well. Maybe they do. I don't. I don't know. I I didn't for a long time. I didn't see the full value of Pentecost. But so many things from the Old Testament are being brought back up and transformed at Pentecost. Remember the very beginning of the Bible is in Genesis. You have this great punishment for the Tower of Babel. So they built this big tower. They wanted to be like God. And what was the punishment? That God was going to confuse all their languages. Now at Pentecost, God is actually undoing that sin. And all the languages are united. And everybody understands what the apostles are saying in their own language. After, after the Tower of Babel, later on, after the golden calf sin, so another huge sin, what do we have? We have the Levites become the priest. Remember the firstborn sons originally, they were the priests, so everybody had their own priest in the family. But that changes after they have this great sin of apostasy, and only the Levites become the priests. Do you remember back in Exodus why the Levites became priest or priests or what their, what their ordination consisted of? Um, certain... What did they do to be ordained in the beginning, originally at Mount Sinai? Man, you're tapping my brain, but for some reason I have in my mind, it has something to do with a sword. But yeah, so kind of. So, I mean, remember the scene? So Moses comes down, Charlton Heston comes down the mountain, right? He, he sees the orgy going on underneath. Uh-oh. He gets ticked off. He throws down the stone, Charlton the tablets, <laughs> and he, uh, or the cartoon from um, 
Prince of Egypt. That's the other image. Okay. That I always have. Yeah. But he comes down, he's ticked off, he throws down the tablets, he's like, this this is ridiculous. Who is going to stand with the Lord? Who's on the Lord's side? Yes. And I remember only the Levites That's... stand up. And what do they do? They have to kill a lot of people. How many? Oh, shoot. This is really important. 50? No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just passing because it's Pentecost. 3,000. Man, so that's a lot of So they rise up work. and they slaughter 3,000 of their brethren, which, number one, that tells you that's a less than ideal priesthood. That's maybe a plan B priesthood if they're have to, having to slaughter their family members in order to be ordained. Yeah. No, it's what they had to do, and you know, we can go into the morality of all that. But So their priesthood consists of slaughtering 3,000. In the New Testament, when you hit Pentecost, now the apostles are going to finally realize their ordination as priesthood, as priests. Yeah. So they step out of the upper room, and what do they do? They start speaking language. Remember how many people baptized that day? It's 3,000. Exactly, 3,000. Oh. So their whole priesthood is now bringing 3,000 people back to life, in a certain sense. Oh my gosh. Sweet. That's That's awesome. It speaks directly to... The, the this terrible event and the totally. giving of the new law, the replacing of the stony heart with the heart of flesh. Totally. Uh, the f- heart of Jesus. That's awesome. Wow, that was pretty cool. That's that's rocking my world. I know. It's sweet. So now now we so we're we're rejoicing because we're in this moment of full um of, of prophetic fulfillment from Zephaniah in the Pentecostal event yeah, of uh and we're fulfilling Moses we're hitting huge stuff and this this uh, and and it's all coming from this royal perspective totally and um so then we are called to rejoice totally which is what the psalms all about right yeah. the response is cry out with gladness for among you is the great and holy one of Israel finally the king the great and holy one of Israel was it was shorthand for the king yeah so I mean, this is what it's all about you know what i'm looking forward to this sunday now wearing pink no, no, not, I'm never looking forward to that. But <laughs> Rose, I'm sorry, Rose. Yeah, get it right, son. Sorry, dude. Okay, um, is uh, the music? I bet you, because because if anybody, uh, you know, we have a, a Mark Thomas is our music director. He's a stud, and he he's always very intentional about reading and looking at the theme of the the is he? of this. Oh yeah, That's awesome. you can tell. You can totally tell because it always is appropriate, and I love it when he mm-hmm. when we catch a theme and we sing a song about that. So I'm looking forward to crying out and to shout for joy and sing joyfully and and think about Jesus um, leading the song. Actually, yeah, totally. I think that's awesome, but. There's even more. Okay. You ready for this? You ready for your mind to be blown even more? So if you fast forward to the gospel now. So the gospel we've been reading from, from Luke. That's my fast forwarding sound. Fast VCR, VHS. Do you remember when SkyMall and stuff used to sell the little cassette rewinders? Like they were shaped like Trans Ams and stuff. Absolutely. Those were awesome. That's what it sounded like. Okay. I'm sure none of our listeners know what I'm talking about. No, it's okay. Unless they're cool. Unless they're cool. And we're pretty sure that you're cool, Angie. <laughs> and mom. Um, so the gospel, we're, we're in Luke, and we've been reading from Luke all Advent now. But um, you have the scene of John the Baptist. So there's John the Baptist. He's baptizing everybody, and that's the scene where all the crowds come out to him. But our yeah. gospel reading begins, it's in chapter 3, verse 10. It says, the crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? And he goes on and gives this answer, whoever has two cloaks would give it to the person who has none, and tax collectors, you know, repay what you've exhorted and all this stuff. By the way, that's actually a neat line later on in the Gospel of Luke when we meet Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the little guy who climbed the tree Loves to see Jesus? He actually fulfills to the letter everything John the Baptist says to do here oh. way at the beginning. So he repays everyone he's exhorted, the tax collectors, he, 
he does all the stuff that John the Baptist says. What I really like is uh, the the three uh, the three uh, groups that address him are the crowds. Mm the tax collectors and the soldiers the crowds who are generally considered innocent yeah. he he just um he in, exhorts them to actually just be more generous and to be to engage that but totally. then but then the two groups the tax collectors and the uh um soldiers and soldiers he's saying you actually have to repent yeah, totally. Which, which funny, my brother called me two days ago and he literally he was like his voice message was repent Repent, <laughs> and then he hung up. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I, well, I repented. No, I'm to oh to, to garner. To, no, I think he was just being funny. But then I, but it, it spoke to my yeah, spiritual life. You know, good for him. Good for you. Uh, so my good brother, for the yeah. So what's up, Neil? I think I need Absolutely. to tell him that we're doing this podcast because I think he might actually listen. We to can it. get our seventh listener. Yay! Woo. So this one's for you, Neil. East Coast. So after John the Baptist says to do all this stuff, it goes on. It says, now the people were filled with expectation and they were all asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. Well, maybe this guy's the Messiah. And so John catches on. He says, no, no, no. I'm baptizing you with water. Now, here's the thing. This same scene is recorded in all the Gospels. When John the Baptist, you know, he says, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals, da, 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 da. But Luke adds one word that none of the other Gospels add. So check this out. Okay. So John answered all of them saying, I'm baptizing you with water. But one mightier than I is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And fire. And fire. And fire. It's the only reference there to baptism with fire and what John the Baptist says. What's that a reference to? When do they get baptized with fire? Pentecost. Pentecost. So guess what else? At the very, very beginning, chapter 3, when the crowds say, what should we do? There's only one other place where that line (sighs) grammatically occurs. And it's right after Peter's Pentecost speech when he says, you've got to listen to the gospel. And the 3,000 who are about to be baptized all say, what do we do? Whoa. The exact same words. So that whole thing is foreshadowing what's going to happen at Pentecost, which is sweet because it hasn't happened yet, right? But all the readings are pointing ahead to it. And we're in this Gaudete Sunday where we're super pumped. We're rejoicing, yes. but it hasn't happened yet. Yes. We're still kind of living in it. So it's, it's kind of this reminder of Pentecost. That's awesome. And uh, as, as we're looking, I mean, the, ultimately, they, the response is, is repent and then be baptized. Yeah. He says, so do generous works and then be baptized. In some ways, that's the pattern of the RCIA. Oh, totally. Uh, of that's the rights of Christian initiation for adults is that, in fact, there's a time of conversion totally. that then leads into baptism. And, and I always thought it was super cool. Where could you possibly baptize 3,000 people in a day? I'll tell you what, if I have a, if I have a baptism... Like if I've got like four, yeah, in our church, man, times would be hard. I'll tell you what, I mean, to baptize a thousand people in a day. You could use a a super soaker. Man, this is epic. It's cool. I I have never seen this or thought of this. I hadn't either until two days ago. I I just thought it was sweet. I thought it was awesome. And and what's interesting, I had had a really strange conversation with somebody the other day about the nature of God's love, Hmm. about how... It, in, it can be really intense to be loved by God. Job even says, you know, look away so that I can, so that I can breathe once again. I mean, that's like how intense his wow. experience of, of the love of God was. And uh, here, we, he, uh, right after he says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, declared the threshing floor to gather the wheat in the barns. Mm. But the chaff, the stuff that blows away, he will burn with unquenchable fire. It's because this profound love of God is so intense that 
if you're not prepared, the judgment of fire is the divine love. Yeah. And if you if you don't have your heart open to be able to be loved, the experience of it is going to be burning. It's going <laughs> to hurt hard because, yeah. um, and so that's that, that's part of this exhortation is is prepare yourself to learn to accept love. Totally. But we gotta we gotta kind of flip our mind on that too. You know, I some of the saints have written that they think that heaven's a lot hotter than hell is. You know, we think of hell as this kind of burning place, but mm. you know, God's love is described as fire. I think hell is going to be really, really cold, yeah, and just miserable and empty and cold. But it's when we're actually burned with the love of God in a certain sense, that's that's a good thing because it's burning away all the imperfections and all the stuff that shouldn't be there. It's, why do you want snow at Christmas then, man? I don't get it. So I can have a fire in my fire. I don't know. I, don't know. I just like snow. Maybe I want... I, I I don't either. I'm just messing with you, man. I love. I mean, so it's like traditional. Radical now. I don't do it. I just like snow from here. I know. I I, I want the, the warmth and the heat of love of my friends. You know what? It, <laughs> I just want the weather pattern. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I like it. It makes everything. It's 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 like Martin Luther, where everything is covered over, and yeah. and it takes on a new form. It's and awesome. then you're reminded that that though things look a certain way, mm. they actually can be transformed and. And and you get to see them with new fresh eyes and That's all true. the shapes and and the glistens and and all of a sudden you see because it sparkles at night yeah. and I don't know it's I agree awesome. I really like this my snow favorite too, thing on earth is when it's snowing and the sun is shining when both those things are happening at once there's oh, there's nothing I love more than that it's so nice I love it what does this mean what does it mean to have Pentecost on Gaudete Sunday. I don't even, I don't know. That's where I have to do my homily prep. So that's why <laughs> you have to listen. You have to come to Mass um, because uh, it really warrants meditation it does. to be able to see Zephaniah and why the church would would remind us in this moment um, uh, to cry out with gladness and to have this generosity of of of, um, uh, of gratitude. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was reading these at first earlier in the week. And I could not find a connection between these things. I mean, usually you can say, oh, the gospel is connected to the Old Testament this way. And I was, I was reading it again and again, and I saw no connection between the gospel. Maybe the point is, even though we're still in the state of waiting, there's so much more than meets the eye. And there's so much beyond, you know, even despite the fact that we're kind of in the cold and the dead of winter, it's, you know, it's dry if you want snow. It's cold if you want more. It's just kind of the, it's kind of the crappy time of the year in a certain sense. Yes. And in the midst of that, we have this tremendous hope. You don't even know what's on the horizon. You can't even fathom what these words mean. Even the, the things the crowds are saying, you have no idea what those words will actually mean in a couple of years mm-hmm. and what that actually looks like because it's, it's going to be mind-blowing. And maybe that's one of the things the readings are trying to tell us, that there's something so deep under the surface that's just gonna, it's just going to rock you. But you can't see it yet. And so rejoice, rejoice in everything, because if it if it's this deep and we can't see it, how much more is buried underneath everything that's going on in our lives, in the scriptures, in the liturgy, in the world, that, that uh, when it all comes to fruit, the glory of God will be beyond reckoning. And what we thought was dry and cold and hard is, in fact, the profound gift of God. Totally. Sweet. Well... Enjoy your fires, people. (laughs) (laughs) But not your snow if you live in Colorado. (laughs)
because <laughs> you're getting any. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what we got for you today, mm-hmm. and we look forward to you subscribing. Tell your friends. Absolutely. Tell your parents. Tell your children. You know, get on your children's iPods. Subscribe for them on the podcasts <laughs> app. They'll love it. Trust us. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be great. You just e- awesome. e- email it to the Drudge Report or. Something. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not? I, I don't Amen. know. We're, we're just we're just talking now. Anyway. Thanks for listening. We are the Word on the Hill. This podcast is a production of the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center and the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org. See you next week.